Welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thanks very much for taking the time to join us on this one. I have Kevin Dorsey. He is VP of Inside Sales at Patient Pop in beautiful Southern California. KD, how are things, man? Hey, you know, living my best life as best I can, my man. Things things are good. You know, I think adjusting to this, you know, quarantine life like everybody else is, but hanging in there and, you know, doing everything I can with it. Well, listen, I, you know what? And I wanted to start with that. I don't want to be a tone deaf to what's happening in the world uh, other than uh, Southern California and California as a state and really the world being locked down and on quarantine. Uh, how are you doing? How's your family? How's your business? Uh, how, how are the teammates? Uh, how are you guys coping right now? You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I have to look on the bright side of some things like we've gone through some struggles like my family is, you know, we're safe, we are healthy, you know, I'm sure they're tired as much as they love having dad around more. I think they're also tired of me always being in the house because work KD is definitely different than home KD. And so now that's, you know, blended. So like family is good, which has been, you know, obviously the godsend in all of this. Unfortunately, at work, we did have to go through some rifts and some layoffs. It was um, by far the most challenging thing I've had to go through in my career to say goodbye to really a good number of people on my team. And so that was really hard. And so I spent a lot of time over the past month, not only reaching out and helping them transition, but also a lot of time on my team that was left. Because just because you're still there doesn't mean there's still not emotion and fear and guilt and all those things. And so, you know, getting the team through all this has been a challenge. And, you know, they really stepped up last month, which was great. But it'll be an ongoing, you know, challenge, you know, for the next year. Yeah. And I really appreciate that comment. And I'm sorry to hear that, uh, you know, your company and we're, we're all in this position. I, You know, I, I do try to take some comfort in the fact that we as a world, we're in this together. And it's not just one industry. It's not your company. It's not my company. It's not just, uh, you know, one country versus another, but we're all in this together. And I'm optimistic that, you know, we'll get in front of this thing and we'll be better for it in the end. And unfortunately, we have a few hurdles here to take and, and get in front of it. And your comment, um, you know, regarding, um, you know, work home KD versus, you know, um, sorry, your work KD versus uh, home KD is very different. And I'm no different in that I'm working from home, but I have two little ones. They're six and four. Yep. And, and I have to say, uh, while, while I think I'm pretty well groomed to be a, a business person and a salesperson, I haven't groomed myself to be a teacher, man. It's like these teachers need to make like $800 million yes. a year because yes. I, I haven't wired myself for this. So congrats on, on managing that as well. Oh, man. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. Some teachers are massively underpaid and that could be a whole different topic, you know, for sure. But it is like, you know, I have two daughters as well, eight and four, um, love them to death. But at the same time, it's like, yo, just just read the book. Just read the book. Yeah. Like, I don't have time to talk to you about why you should read the book. Just read the book. Tell me what happened, you know? And so balancing that is hard while still working, you know, 50, 60 hours per week and trying to do all those things. So, you know, my, my heart goes out to a lot of like the single parents. I was raised by a single, single mom. So I can't even imagine if this was just me. I can't even imagine oh. if this was like just my wife was here with the two kids and trying to work. Like I can't even can't even imagine what that would be like. So shout out to all of them as well. Hopefully they're getting through this okay. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And so on that, uh, let's get into it then. So as you know, the title of the podcast is Your Intention Matters. It's a conversational podcast. It's not really a teaching podcast. It's an opportunity 
or for you to share your story because you've had a meandering path as most of us have, uh, especially when it comes into the world of sales. So if you're ready to go, uh, let's get into it. You ready? Let's go. All right. Okay. So let's go back to when you were getting ready to start your career. You were going down the path of kinesiology uh, and yet you're not doing that. Now you're, you're VP of inside sales. And so talk to me about when you were getting ready to start your career, what did you think you'd be doing? What was your vision back then? So I think when I was getting ready to start my career, it was very obvious to me I wasn't going to do what I went to school for, right? So I went to school for kinesiology. I wanted to get into sports medicine because I'd had um, a couple really bad knee surgeries and like I'd done a ton of rehab. So I was like, all right, like I want to get into sports medicine. I want to help people get back to playing. Then I realized that sports medicine was going to be like 10 years of school and me and school are like not best of friends. So I was like, all right, well, then I'll do physical therapy. Well, physical therapy was going to be six years of school. And then also realized that my vision of physical therapy, you know, working with athletes and, you know, college players and things like that made up only 5% of physical therapists. Mm. Most are working, you know, with like senior populations, accidents, rehab, like things like that. And I was like, well, that doesn't excite me. And so now I'm in this major, you know, I'm four years deep at this point. I'm not enjoying it because also with kinesiology at Wisconsin, it's an education major. So I'm taking analytical physics, I'm taking organic chemistry, I'm taking like all these classes that I'm like, I'm never going to use this. I'm just not. So I, I was miserable. So I was like, all right, screw this. I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm going to take a break from this and reset. So I moved back to um, California where I was um, born, moved out here with my then girlfriend, then fiance and now wife and mother of my children. Mm. And, you know, got into personal training. So I'd been doing personal training through college, right? Kinesiology. So I was doing personal training and getting into personal training is where I got my first real mentor. And that's when my career kind of took the big shift. So I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Just personal training made me money. So that's what I did. Right. And so how did you get into, into a selling career then? So when I was doing the personal training, you have to sell the session. That's fair. Right. So, you know, I love taking people from the fitness industry into sales, whether that's inside sales or, you know, outside sales, because a lot of people in the fitness industry understand why based selling, right? No one gets a personal trainer to lose weight. That's not what they're trying to do. There's a reason why they're trying to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things that um, my mentor taught me was they're not here for the sessions. They're not here to tone up. They're not here to lose weight. They have a wedding. They have a, you know, class reunion coming. They have, you know, they, they put on like a suit and it didn't fit and they were embarrassed, right? Like there's an emotional reason behind why they want personal training. And so that's what got me into selling, right? Is I had to sell the packages. And that's really what kind of triggered my sales career. Now I had been selling in college, which was also something where I chose to get into sales when I knew I wasn't going to do, um, kinesiology anymore because I always knew I could get a sales job even if I was bad yeah. there's always sales jobs so I was like no matter what if I, I can learn how to sell so I was selling knockoff Cutco knives in college mm -hmm. I sold multi-level marketing well let me say this I tried to sell knockoff Cutco knives I tried to sell multi-level marketing I tried to sell insurance I tried to sell XM radios like I was just like, you know, getting caught up in all of that. It's like, if I could learn how to sell, it yeah. wasn't until I got into the personal training studios, got my mentor where he taught me how to sell that I was like, okay, like this is what I'm going to do. Like, this is going to be my path right. that I haven't turned back since. When, when, when you came to the realization and your decision to, uh, 
to not cross the finish line with your education and you got 80, 90% plus of the way and you made your choice, uh, any pushback uh, from the family um, in terms of why you're doing this, you give it, keep going, any resistance there, anything you had to manage? So a little bit, um, but also too, the idea wasn't that I wasn't going to go, that I wasn't going to go back. It was that I was going to move back to LA enroll out in LA, finish up with something different, right? So the original premise wasn't that I was never going to go back. And so there wasn't too much pushback there. There was worry and concern, but there wasn't too much pushback. It was then when I got out to LA, right? And then started going on like my path. And that's really when I got into like self-development. Like I know we're on audio right now, but if people were can watch this, like, I've got a stack of I don't know, 20 books behind me here. There's another hundred in the living room. I've got three boxes in storage full of books, 300 books on my Kindle. Like I realized that college wasn't the right education for me. Like you can go there to learn, but it wasn't the right education. I was learning way more self-educating than I would going and sitting in a classroom, you know, for 50 hours a week just to go get a piece of paper, Mm. right? So once I got into self-education, I was like, why would I? What, what am I going back for? Right. And I don't regret it at all. Neither does my family. Right. Like I, I'm good. Like I'm right. doing just fine. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, when you started your selling career as, as a profession, uh, outside of the personal training and then you get into like a, a professional salesperson, um, there's always a difference in my mind between being a a top individual producer versus a a leader and a manager, because they're two very different skill sets. You can be just a crusher individually and be a terrible manager, and you can be a great manager and be an average rep. Uh, And so uh, what was behind your decision to actually get into leadership? Did that, did you raise your hand? Did it just kind of happened? Uh, How did that, how did, what happened there? So leadership has happened my whole life. And I think part of this is, because you know, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, raised in a single, you know, single family, you know, single parent home for Mm. quite a while. So I took care of my brother a lot. And so like, you know, I was kind of like the leader there. Every sports team, every group I was in, I was always the team captain or like that was just Whereas I was coaching all through high school, like I coached the little like little leaguers and stuff like being a coach and a leader is kind of always what I've done. And so I actually very rarely like raised my hand for it. It just always kind of happened. You know what I'm saying? Like even when I was doing the personal training studios, I was hired there as the first like personal trainer to like run the studio. Well, grew that studio from like 15 clients to 200 clients. So I had to hire, you know, people under me, opened up a second location, Mm -hmm. right? opened that one up, hired all the people, hired all the trainers. So I was managing all those salespeople and trainers as well. And then when I got out of personal training, went into like inside sales, I went backwards. A lot of people don't actually know this. Like I started as an SDR at human, right? Cause it was the only job available. And I wanted to get like phone right. sales skills. I'd already been managing 12 people before that. Prior to right? that. Yeah, like I was, I had been running those gyms for five years. I was a small business owner, Mm -hmm. you know, like much younger than most people ever were. I went backwards to like get in, but then within six, within three months, I got promoted to AE. Then in six months, I was a manager. And then six months after that, I was the director and head of sales, you know, so like that path just continued to open for me. I think more often not just because I, I helped other people too. And like, so to your earlier point around like the best salesperson or the best leader, I actually, 
was almost always the best salesperson in terms of like conversion metrics and like meetings and things like that. But I wasn't always the top mm. because I didn't dedicate all my time to it because I was also helping other people. So I might be number two on the board. That's because instead of 50 hours a week focused on me, it was 40 hours a week focused on me, 10 hours per week focused on other people. But like head to head conversion rates, who had the highest close rates, who had the best like, you know, talk time and things like that. That was me. I loved helping other people. That's who I am. I wish I could be more selfish. I've told this to people before. Like, truthfully, if I could be an IC, I could make just as much money, if not more money than I make as a VP of sales yeah. and only have to worry about me as opposed to worrying about a hundred other people. That That's is so true. Isn't who it? I am. That, that is so mm -hmm. true. And so, you know, what's fascinating to me is as, I've, as I'm getting to know your career a little bit here, um, it's pretty cool to me that you were able to convert... Uh, a, a clear passion and interest in health and lifestyle and and, and activities into actually selling products in, in that vertical in terms of human under healthy vending and in Snack Nation. And so um, talk to me about your decision to um, to leave human because pretty good runway, three, four years there. Uh, did you raise your hand at that point? Uh, did somebody find you? How did that happen? So, so no, so human, and it's actually funny, like the health and wellness connection truly is more coincidence than anything else, right? Like I went to human from the personal training studios just because it had the culture I wanted, not because it was the product, not mm. because I was like, oh, like I'm a personal trainer. Oh, healthy snacks. Like, yeah, that's what I believe in. It had the culture I wanted, like Sean Kelly, the CEO, Andy Mackinson, the co-founder, I wanted to work for them, right? Like, Andy Magnuson is still one of my favorite stories. Actually, I think I have the book behind me. Andy Magnuson and I, in our interview, got into an argument over which book was better, Think and Grow Rich or Awaken the Giant Within, right? We got into an argument in an interview, and I was like, I want to work for this guy. <laughs> I love you know that. Like, That's awesome. Because who, like, who else could even have that conversation, you know? And so I went to work for them, not for human. So I was at human, had great growth there, and then Snack Nation was actually born out of human. So I didn't leave human for snack nation. I helped build snack nation out of human and we set shut human down and then scaled snack nation. Right. So I didn't leave human for snack nation. I built snack nation out of human. Right. And so I already had a team of about 45 people at human when we started doing this, you know, crazy idea of putting snacks in a box. Mm. Could that work? That works. I built that team out. We slowly just shifted everything over and then went from there. Okay. And so how, how did you land at uh, Service Titan then? So Service Titan was a shift because then, okay, now I've done, I've gotten into inside sales. I've gotten into leadership, but I still didn't have the tech badge, right? Like, and in the, in the, you know, software world, there's always this idea that software sales are so much different than other things. Right. So I didn't have the tech badge yet of like being in software sales. Everything we did at Snack Nation was we call it a snacks company, right? Snacks as a service instead of software <laughs> I love as that. a service. Awesome. Um, everything we did there was SaaS modeled, right? Yeah. Everything that we did there, recurring revenue, the whole works. And we were able to go from zero to almost $25 million in recurring revenue in under four years, right? Selling snacks in a box. Okay. No, no pure ROI, no cool features, like very easily replaced. Right. It's like, so we had to get incredibly good at selling that. So then I was like, all right, if I can sell snacks in a box, like what can't I right. sell and scale? Right. So moved over to service Titan, ran their sales dev and enablement team 
there, get that software badge. Now I'm at patient pop, you know? And so it's just like, generally speaking, I'm very intentional about what box I need to check next of like in my career. And then I'll make the proper moves to go achieve it. You know, did you enjoy your, not necessarily service Titan necessarily, but your, your tenure on the enablement side, because and oftentimes there's, there can be a disconnect between direct sales and, and those that are on the enablement side. And so did you enjoy being on that, you know, side of the coin? So it wasn't until really even service tight, not so much. I didn't realize they were different sides of the coin. Mm. I'd always run enablement. Like I, all, I had never had an enablement team. I built all of the training. I built all of the scripting. I built all of the messaging, right? I wrote our playbooks, like re- ongoing training. I recorded all the onboarding videos. Like Jim, it, it didn't even occur to me that there was ever a disconnect between sales and enablement because I just thought they were the same, right? Like that's, that's what you do. <laughs> you know, like, so I <laughs> yeah. didn't even, I didn't even know right? Like that was even a thing. And so I, I, I guess I enjoyed it, but it was no different. I went there and did the same thing that I had done at Snack Nation. I built it all out. So there was no disconnect, right? I'm a little bit like two brained, but like there was no disconnect. It was me teaching my people what they needed to do. Right. And so then I started to build that org out, but then again, enablement rolled to me. There's no disconnect, gotcha. right? Because it is rolling to me. Same now at Patient Pop. Enablement rolls to me. So there's no disconnect. Like we stay aligned on everything. Isn't that interesting? You know, I, I spent about a decade working at Xerox in a number of different roles, all sales across the board. And for a regular listener, they know this story a little bit. But I was there also. I was also Xerox's national sales instructor. So I was teaching mm. their new hire school in, in Canada and also in the U.S. And I did that for a period of three years. And what was interesting to me is I remember being invited to this kind of meeting. It was a strategy meeting on how to um, how to get HR going. And we wanted leaders from the HR side of the coin to go to this meeting. So my VP invites me. I'm like, okay, I'll go. And at the whole time, I'm thinking, well, why am I there? Like, I'm a sales guy, not even cluing in that enablement was falling under talent management and under HR, not even direct sales. And so that was my mm-hmm. first, I'm like six months into the job. I'm thinking, why do you want a sales guy in this like collaborative meeting about how to manage HR? It didn't even dawn on me that talent, that that enablement fell under HR, mm-hmm. not even direct sales. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it is crazy to me because it's like, I've, and again, I know that's now the landscape for a lot of people are like enablement writes the playbooks and then gives it to sales. Yeah. And I said, like, how does that, that work? Doesn't, yeah. That doesn't make any sense at all. You know, and it was, it was my own ignorance for a long time of like, I didn't even understand that was how people were doing it. Cause I didn't have those resources, right? Like human was a bootstrap startup. So we had to do everything. Snack nation was a bootstrap startup had to do everything, got into service time, well-funded, but they didn't have an enablement function. They didn't have like a really strong, like enablement process. So I just built it the same way I had built it other places. You know, it's, it still just didn't even resonate with Mm. me that there would be a different org telling sales what to do when it's like, wait a minute, like sales is in there. Like we're the ones figuring this stuff out. So I'm all for enablement. I just think it needs to be tighter with sales. It shouldn't be separate. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there needs to be a better job uh, there as well. Uh, Kevin, talk to me personally about your your drivers. As, I, as I'm learning about you and as we're talking, it's pretty clear to me that you're pretty locked in and pretty dialed in on, on what you're up to and, and, and you're going to go, you know, create this. Um, what is it that is keeping you with the foot on the pedal? What, what's your drivers? What, why are you up in the morning other than the fact that it costs money to wake up every day? So it's funny, like, you know, I've done a lot of self reflection and introspection and whatever other words there are there around it, you know, like, I think most of what drives me is potential. Like I like, it's like, why not live up to it? Like, why not live up to it? Why not be the best I possibly can? Right. Most of it really is internal. Like I, I love, I love my daughters. I love them to death. They know that that's not like, I don't, I'm not waking up every single morning doing what I'm doing for them. They get like, I do it to provide for them, mm. but that's, that's not what, drives right like i i I just want to be good i want to be great at what i do and i don't see any reason why not to because i can't i can be great at this if i stick with it if i keep doing what i'm doing and that will allow me to provide not only the the you know whatever i need to provide for my family but then to that lifestyle right like i have a goal and a dream i want to be able to move to Costa Rica for at least a year with the family and like take a break. I want to be able to slow down for a little bit. I've been, I've had a job since I was 11 years old, right? Like I've been working at startups for the past decade. I've been leading teams since I was 22, you know, like it gets tiring after a while too. And so be able to take like a time to like slow down a little bit. So that also is what drives me. Like I've got like my vision board right here. I've got my goals. Like I've got it all lined out for what I'm trying to do. And I need to be good slash great to accomplish those things. And so that's, that's what drives me. Does a trip back to a trip back to Wisconsin in there anytime soon with the family uh, for setting up shop there in the winter? So in the winter, God, no. Um, (laughs) Like, well, it's funny. So normally we go back in Christmas because that's where my mom is. That's where um, my wife's mom is. She's um, from Wisconsin. So we have family out there. And so we actually had to make a rule. Like when we go back for Christmas, we actually have to stay for a week. And here's why. Because if you go back for like three to four days, Mm -hmm. the cold doesn't bother you as much. You're like, you know what? This this isn't that bad. Like, this is actually kind of nice in the snow yeah. and it's brisk. And you're like, you know what? You just layer up. Kind of refreshing. Fine. Yeah. You're like this, you know, it's cheaper out here. We have family. It, it messes with your head. It's day five, six, seven, eight. We're like, oh God, I got to go out and start the car, you know, and get it warm. That yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll never move back to Wisconsin full time, but like summers in Wisconsin, I love them. Fall, spring, like it's great. But that winter just kicks my butt, man. I just can't handle it. <laughs> Hey Kevin, any advice for anybody listening? Any if you had one if you had one piece of advice, and so whether it's somebody that is a fresh start in their career or they're you know knee deep into it, uh, any advice that maybe just one? Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. It's where you'll get the highest ROI. You can, you can put, you know, 200 bucks away every single month and hope it compounds at 8% and work like that for 50 years, hopefully having that nest egg to go through it. If that, even if you took a hundred of that per month, 
and invested it into books, invested it into coaches, invested it into courses, you're going to get significantly more than 6% out of that. And that compounding is so much more like read, study, like take your career seriously. I think that's still something that just like blows my mind the most is like, especially in sales, like people just get into it and they're just into it. Mm. They, they don't read, they don't, they don't study it. They don't practice it. They're just in it. And it's like this career can literally change your life and a lot of other people's lives when you're really good at it. Why not? Most people invested 10 times as much energy into their high school sport or instrument than they do to their sales career. Like they, you are practicing three to four hours after school every single day, dribbling yeah. in the, the, the driveway, watching like your favorite players, reviewing game tape. Like you are obsessed with it, right? I don't know if you played sports or had an instrument, but like obsessed with it in high school to get a letterman's jacket and a little medal and maybe be able to ask the cheerleader out on a date. <laughs> now we have a career yeah. that can pay us multiple six figures, multiple six figures. And people don't read, they don't practice, they don't study, they, they, they don't take it seriously. So that's my advice is invest in yourself. Go read the books, buy the courses, listen to podcasts, take notes, but invest in yourself. Like it, it will pay off tenfold, I promise you. Well, KD, I appreciate that uh, that comment, and I think a lot of people would resonate with that. And I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to share your story with us. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for, for having me. This uh, was fun. Yeah, you bet. And so everybody, again, thanks everybody for taking the time to listen. Remember, your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here, and we will talk to you next week. Be safe, everybody. Thank you.